Well, we're starting a series called Lake Life, and I kind of tried to dress the Lake Life look, and uh, we're excited for you to be a part of this. It's going to be uh, stories that we would look at um, as Jesus is around the lake, where he calls people to take steps of faith. And so that's what we're excited about doing. Before we get started, I last week we gave a book out. Uh, if you want a good summer read, we gave this a Three Fathers. Um, it's a book by John Ortberg. It was a Christianity book of the day. And it's all about um, walking on water. And I decided it might be fun just to hear someone who, who wrote a whole book on this idea of faith, a really good book, um, for him to share with us a few of his thoughts. Uh, welcome, John. John Ortberg, so glad that you're with us. Uh, international speaker, award-winning author, and most importantly, my friend, um, for some 40 years. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, Dr. Meyer. It's my honor. Oh, yeah, thank Edwards. you. Yep. Uh, I, I love the respect. Yep, always. Uh, you know, I just wanted to mention, you've had a number of books with some pretty clever titles. Everybody's normal to get to know them, or if you, uh, I'd like you more if you were more like me which I really believe in. Um, but this book that we're going to be talking about uh, today is If You Want to Walk on Water, You Have to Get Out of the Boat. And it's a book on faith. We're doing a series, Lake Life, and it's all about stepping out in faith. And I'm going to actually speak on uh, the passage of Scripture that this book is is uh, uh, taken from. So in this, there's a fundamental truth. And it's this idea that if you want to experience the power of God in your life, you've got to take a step of faith. And it involves risky obedience. Um, so as you wrote, what's the most single important thing you would say to someone about faith? Uh, I think the most important thing for people to understand with faith is um, that it's not a feeling of certainty or uncertainty. Because mm-hmm. uh, that comes and goes and you can't control it. And often people think I should have more faith and they try to generate it more with willpower. And um, faith or certainty in the mind is not the thing that can be safely um, changed by just trying to will yourself into it. So never tell yourself, I ought to have more faith. Okay. Faith is a byproduct from knowing God. And knowing God doesn't just involve um, reading the Bible or understanding facts. It, it primarily involves actually doing what Jesus said to do. Sure. And then in that process, coming to discover that Jesus was right. And that he is there with me. So the pathway to more faith for life is available to anybody. And all that is required really is an attitude of surrender and obedience. And I will try doing what he says. So let's get to this idea. You're, 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 you're standing in a boat. Peter's standing in a boat. And he does it. Some people say what he did was rather foolish. Uh, is there a difference between foolishness and, and kind of like sensible faith? Um, there is, and very often the only way to gain wisdom is by making foolish mistakes. Uh, and so all of us have this um, desire for instant maturity, and we would love to have wonderful experiences, but never to know pain. And um, so very often it'll be the case for me, for you, for anybody, that I don't know exactly what to do. Yeah, And it's good to pray. It's good to ask God for wisdom. Um uh, but there has to be a willingness to say, uh, I am only capable of what I'm capable of, and I may get something wrong. Uh, I may make a bad decision. I will ask God to help me in it. I will try to live with courage and humility and be open to feedback going through it. Um, so in this case, 
I think uh, Peter is quite clearly being portrayed by the gospel writers as somebody who is courageously willing to follow Jesus. So I think it's a real good thing that he get out of the boat. I don't think it's foolish at all. So faith involves failing, obviously, and the way you build more faith or exercise that muscle of faith is by trusting and doing it, knowing you will fail. And knowing that underneath all that failure is a God who loves you. Because if you read the Gospels, you see the disciples failing um, in every story, pretty much. And, and so yeah. that's how they grow. Yep. Um, I, I remember when I was working at a church and we were trying something that felt like a bit of a risk for us. And uh, one of the people said, uh, uh, we have to make sure that we're doing this right. Because if we fail, it will mean that we didn't discern God's will. <laughs> and that was a really... Uh, interesting and uh, and actually a helpful comment because then I could talk with the church about um, the importance of failure, the inevitability of failure, and we have to be willing as individuals and as families, but also as churches, as organizations, to fail at things yeah. and not to assume if we try something and it fails, we must have not discerned God's will because the disciples, Peter in particular, learned a lot more from his failures than he did sure. his successes. Sure, yeah. Let me ask you then, if if this premise of the book is right, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat, which means if you're going to actually experience adventure that is exciting and fun, I mean, walking on water probably was a highlight, I imagine, in Peter's life to think back that he actually did that. Um, let me ask you, as you wrote this book, what part of it was the most fun to write? Wow. Uh, you know, this book... Uh, came really quickly. Books mm. um, and sermons are different that way. They're like kids, you know, <laughs> sometimes they come out real fast and then sometimes it's a long, painful labor process. Um, this one was actually uh, uh, quite quick to write, but it was mostly based on a sermon. So I would say actually that sermon that I did that contained the core idea of the book, I can still remember that was something that came many years earlier and um, just w- when that single thought came of uh, this story and th- th- that phrase, that idea of you have to take a risk, you got to get out of the boat if you want to walk on water, not original with me at all. But when the notion for that sermon came, that was really fun. I really liked that a lot. Well, I'm just going to say we'll conclude this. Uh, 20 years ago, you wrote this book. You've written a 20 plus more books in the, in, in the time since then. Uh, but this was uh, Christianity uh, Today uh, best, I think it was the bestseller, book of the year is what it was uh, when it came out. And so we've been encouraging our people to read this because it tells you a lot of good things about faith. So, John, thanks so much. Um, I love you, and I appreciate you taking time to do this. Thank you, Kev. Love you, too. Blessings on your bub. <laughs> thanks so much. Okay. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to read the scripture. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 31. It's found also in Matthew 6, minus the walking on the water part, which is interesting, because it was it's believed that Peter wrote that book through Mark, and for what reason he left that part out. Maybe he was felt foolish, or maybe he was too proud. I don't know, or just wasn't the Spirit's leading. But Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. This is right after the feeding of the 5,000 disciples are exhausted. Jesus needed time away. So he tells us in scripture, after sending them home, they went 
on the boat by the lake, so he must have been planning to walk around that direction by himself at some point. It says he went up into the hills by himself to pray, which is something Jesus would often do. He knew how important it was after exertion, after working hard, after ministering, he needed time to be with his father. He needed to be alone. And he would do that on a regular basis. He would tune up his heart. And he calls us to do the same. And it says, night fell while he was there alone. So you see him in the hills. He's up there. He's watching the lake. He can see the boat beginning to cross. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land. For a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. The Greek says the waves were tormenting them. Almost, it was just about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. And then Peter called him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat, walked on the water toward Jesus, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? It's amazing. I thought there's a lot of faith there. And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped, and then the disciples, they worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. Mark 6 adds in verse 48 that when Jesus went out them, as he was walking in the water, Mark says he was about to pass them by. Just kind of (laughs) like, kind of a strange thing. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today. It's a historic Sunday, a Sunday after uh, this passing of Roe versus Wade and the honor of sanctity of human life. And we also know God, as I spoke a number of weeks back, there's the issue and, and, and the um, issue of dignity of women and, and their choice and all those things involved in that. And their father is also involved in this, the, the issue of human sexuality. And we recognize, God, how important life is to you. But we also bring before you, God, now in this, the real hardship that's going to occur for potentially many mothers who are impoverished or who are single women. And so, God, help us as people who love you to love others and to show that love by supporting the children who will be born as a result of the overturning of this law. Raise us as a church, God, up to be people who will personally pray with compassion and actively support people we know who will be impacted by this. Help us in whatever we can through our counseling ministry, through our gateway prayer ministry, through our personal resources, time and finances, whatever it be. Form within us, God, a posture of humility and a posture of love. God, help us to be people who do not fight with anger, but God, we are people who reason and come together with others and listen and understand and love 
Forgive us, God, as a church. Forgive us as people. Forgive me, God, for when I stand, even in my own relationship with my wife, and, and want to be right rather than be in relationship. God, we want to be in relationship with you, and God, we want to be in relationship with others. And Jesus, we do pray that we will be a church that not only have faith in you, but we will begin to live with the faith that you displayed, that we too might be truly be water walkers, walkers, God. People exercise faith so that the compassionate works of God can be released in our lives and the lives of others and in this world. We stand here, God, as one people, with all kinds of different experiences and different opinions, and but with one voice that says we want more of you, Jesus. We want more of you. We do. We want more of you, Jesus. God, this isn't just a Sunday that we kind of just wake up and kind of go to church. This is our lives before you right now, and we are saying to you, we want more of you. This world needs more of you. And so, God, as we just step through this passage and learn some of the skills of what it means to walk on water, to be people who step out in faith, who not only have the faith in Jesus, but have a faith of Jesus, because we want to let you through us impact the world, those right around us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. One of the central truths of this story is captured, I think, in John's title, and that is this. If you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. It's that simple. If you really want to experience life the way God intended it for you, you have to step out and walk with him. And a disciple of Jesus will experience these realities. Oh, and I should let you know, I told John I'm going to just borrow like crazy everything he wrote here, so... It's, here's the reality of every person who decides to follow Jesus. There is always a call. God asks ordinary people to engage in extraordinary acts of trust. Did you get that? It's not extraordinary people. It's, a, it, it's just ordinary people who, who get out of the boat when Jesus calls them. There's always fear. God has a habit of calling you and to me as well to do scary things. It really does. I, I mean, you just go through the word of God and you'll see that there was a fear of inadequacy. Moses said, I, I can't talk, God. There is a fear of, of, of going into this land that was promised to him. It was filled with giants and, and they said no. There's always though reassurance as well that when we begin to feel this fear. We step out of our comfort zones and we move into this place where there might be fear and we accept the fear as a step of growth. God also then promises always his reassurance that he will be with us. I'll help you speak, Moses. I will fight for you, Israel. I will be with you always, says Jesus, even to the end of the age. And there's always a decision. It's, it's that step of, 
of, of Peter at one point getting over the boat. There's always a decision in the midst of that fear when God calls. And sometimes people say yes, like Moses did, and sometimes people say no, like the children of Israel as they were called into the promised land. And there's always a changed life. This is true for any person who experiences the call of God. If you are to say yes, you will begin to learn the faithfulness of God that you can actually grow more in your, in who God has called you to be. And in every time, in every time you say yes, you will strengthen the muscle of faith. But you can also say no. And your life will change as well. And, and, and what will change is this. Your heart will become a little harder. And you'll become a little more resistant the next time God calls you to do something. That's biblical. So in this story, there's a number of skills essential to what I would call water walking. Beginning to learn, not just to put your faith in Jesus, which you saw Peter do, but actually Peter was saying this, I want to do what you're doing. That's what the walking on water was. I mean, in one sense, there wasn't really anything that was happening to lots of people through that, except for what would be built in Peter's heart in faith for what God still wanted to do through him. And every step of obedience, little or small, is a step that builds your faith for what God may be doing right now or doing for others. And he did something for the 11 in the boat through that step of faith. So how do you become a water walker? What is it like for you in your own life to walk with God on water? (laughs) What does that look like? So what I want to do is just share with you some principles this morning, and we'll go through these, um, some of them rather quickly, and maybe linger, linger on a few a little bit longer. But the first is that water walkers recognize God's presence, because as you look at this story here, there's these 12 guys who are on a boat beginning to cross over to the other side. Jesus up in a mountain and a storm begins to rage. It says the, the waves were tormenting them. Jesus is seeing this in the midst of his prayer, probably praying for them. And as the storm blows in, they begin to see Jesus coming toward them. They don't know what it is. And in hindsight, you kind of would have to say, Jesus has done a lot of miraculous things. So if you're going to see any kind of figure, maybe it's Jesus, but in their mind, it's a ghost because people don't walk on water. That's just not something you see every day, right? And so in their mind, they're, they're shouting, it's a ghost. Here's what Matthew, I think, wants us to know in this passage of Scripture. It's this, sometimes it takes eyes of faith to recognize when Jesus is around. They see a ghost, and they're starting to call out to him. So what I want you to do is just dig a little deeper with me here. What was Jesus up to walking on the water at 3 a.m. in the middle of a storm? What's going on? What's up with him. Mark, I said, tells you in his account that Jesus actually intended to walk by, which you have to ask yourself, was Jesus going to race them? Was he just trying to impress them? What's going on? One commentator, David Garland, points out that the verb, which is called parekamai in, in the Greek, means to pass by, is often used, in the, especially in the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of the Bible in the, of the Old Testament. It, it was a technical term for a theophany, this idea of passing by. 
And the theophany, the theophany sounds like a big word. It's just the appearing of God through a situation. And those defining moments when God shows up to a person or a group for the purpose of communicating a message. I shared with you a few weeks ago that over the last number of years, God has spoken to me through numbers. He's gotten my attention. And so what you see happening here is God does something unusual to get a person's attention. So you think of Moses at the burning bush. He's walking, he could have walked by, he sees it because God wants to get his attention. And when God does something like that, with each um, person God was calling, you can go throughout the Bible and see this many times, he's calling them to do something extraordinary they could not do on their own. He's calling ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And every time God does that to people, you think of Gideon or others in the Bible, and if you don't know the Bible and some of these stories, Gideon was a guy who was called to, to face this huge army and God had an army of Israel and he kept dwindling it down to there's only 300 and he's facing um, an army that were as thick as camels over the sand. I mean, just, it was just like sand um, as they looked across, just so many. And each time they're afraid and every time a person says yes to God's call, they begin to experience the power of God in their life. And for all of them, it took the eyes of faith to recognize God's presence. And I think what Matthew wants readers to know is that Jesus often comes when least expected. At 3 a.m. in the morning, in the middle of a storm, when you're thinking you're going to drown, there's something about God coming us at all times. He wants us to recognize his presence at all times, but there's something about recognizing God's presence in the midst of our human extremity, when we are incapable or when we are feeling unable or when we are helpless or when we are weak or when we are in that place where we're just feeling totally alone. And I sometimes have wondered, I wonder how many times in those situations Jesus is walking by And I don't recognize him. There's 12 guys in the boat. Jesus says, and don't be afraid. But one of them, Peter, recognizes Jesus. Now, one of the things that um, when I was talking with John, I was talking about foolishness versus faith, and which is a real good question of you know that whole thing. Uh, one of the things that um, water walkers do is they discern the difference between foolishness and faith. What Peter asked for seems like an incredibly audacious and foolish request, doesn't it? But Peter, um, when you think about it, why is this little detail included? Why doesn't Peter just plunge in the water, but he says, is it is you, Jesus, and Jesus? And he says, if it is, then can I, should I walk in the water? He waits for what? For Jesus to say, come to me. See, it's more about obedience than, than just plain our own foolish desires. Peter didn't get to the edge of the boat and say, is that you, Jesus, and then plunge in? So there's something really important about being able, as best you can, discern the voice of God, but we're going to talk a little about it in just a moment, but recognize we're human beings, so we will fail at times. But here in this situation, it's pretty clear that Jesus is saying, I'm calling you to do this. And so Peter responds. 
And so this isn't really a story about risk-taking as much as it's about obedience. I, I love what John writes. He says, Jesus is not looking for bungee jumping, hang gliding, day trading, tornado chasing pinto drivers. Water walking is not something Peter does for recreational purposes. This is not a story about extreme sports. It's about extreme discipleship. This means that before Peter gets out of the boat, he had better make sure Jesus thinks it's a good idea. So Peter asks for clarity, if it is you, command me. And I wonder in the darkness of that whole moment if Jesus didn't smile. I wonder if there wasn't almost a chuckle. Here's someone who is calling upon me to do something that only I can do through them. I wonder how often you pray that prayer. There's people around me, God. There's people that need you. And I'm I'm calling on you to do something that I can't do. Water walkers get out of the boat. That's a really important thing to recognize here. Um, Not only do they discern between foolishness and faith, but they actually get out of the boat. And so you need to put yourself in in Peter's shoes or... um, or maybe better as sandals, right? Put yourself in, in here and experience for a moment what Peter is processing. Here is Jesus. Jesus now commands him to get out. At this moment, there's a crucial decision. What would you be feeling? What would you experience when Jesus says, come to me? In the midst of a storm, 3 a.m. dark as can be, get out of the boat. In that moment, what would you choose? Because think about it for a second. The boat is all about comfort and security, right? Water, not so much. But here's the certainty of it all. If you don't get out of the boat, you're never going to walk on the water, right? There is something here that Matthew is, is getting across to us, and that is God has made each and every one of us to experience life with him in such a way that part of our life, the way that we walk, is in a way where he is able to move in and through us. And if you don't believe that, you don't know, you really don't know Jesus at a deep enough level. Jesus wants to walk with you, to live your life in such a way that he transforms you and your love, and he calls you at times to do things that you are afraid to do. There's this incredible tension often of comfort and of fear. And we, when you think about it as people, we crave, we crave comfort, don't we? Don't we crave security? I was um, reading the paper the other day and this ad flashed up and um, it's, it's an ad for lazy boys. And you might be saying, what, do you know that Lazy Boys are the most um, popular, one of the most best-selling chairs? And there's a reason for it. Because they're what? They're comfortable. They're not selling Risky Boys. <laughs> and they're not selling Worker Boys. They're selling Lazy Boys. Because every one of us loves Comfort. Following Jesus will raise the fear for us to step into something that we feel is beyond our control. 
in many different ways. It could be your life with regard to your time and my God might be calling you to be a part of a ministry to do something to make a difference there. Or it can be with regard to your financial resources because it just doesn't fit in to give to something that God might be calling you to give to when you're trying to build this nest egg. It doesn't make sense. It's so much, we love security and comfort. But the only way to really grow is for us to actually step into those fears and allow God to walk us through those different fears so that we can become more like him and see him work through us. So I just want to ask you a real basic question. What's your boat? What's your boat? In fact, your boat probably represents safety and security. Your boat is whatever you are probably tempted to put your trust in, especially in stormy times. And getting out of the boat always risks comfort and amplifies your fear. It could be a boat of security. Maybe you've spent 20 to 30 years in a certain vocation. You've been very successful, and you've been feeling for the last number of years this call to do something different that may be significant in a different way. It's not about success as much as about impact. And you just have kept putting it off because of a sense of, I'm comfortable here. I'm secure. This is very scary to go into this. It can be about just getting real about something in your life. It, it, it could be that you have been in a marriage that for years you've been filled with a sense of frustration and pain and you, you kind of keep waiting for your partner to initiate a desire for deeper intimacy. But you avoid talking about it because you fear their response and you're afraid about getting real about how things really are. And you've had promptings to go see a counselor to get real about it, but you're even afraid of what that might do in your, and so you just stay. Because it's familiar and comfortable. And maybe it's your boat of secrecy. You're addicted to pornography or romance novels or to too much alcohol and you're telling yourself it's just a mild thing. It hasn't hurt you yet. But you've experienced the Spirit of God. Even my talking about it right now is shaking your boat a little bit. Because the Holy Spirit says there's something more that I've created you for. It could be your boat is people's approval. You could be in your 40s and you could have a career and you could... Um, be living in, in a place and you're doing a lot of all these things because you want your, let's say your dad's approval. The reality is you'll never really get your dad's approval because that's a black hole for himself. He just, it's about him, it's not about you. And you just stay locked into that. So what's your boat? I, I think for most of us today, it, it, it's often around things like our time and our finances. I think God has a hard time breaking in, calling us to do something because we just can't believe it can be done. That, that would talk, that would really t- talk about, you know, walking on water. 
if you see this story, he expects, when you walk on water, when you, when you exercise faith, not only will you be dealing and risking comfort, not only you'll be facing fears and, and ex- as you accept it, because they'll always be there. It's inevitable. Every, throughout your life, fear is going to be there. It just doesn't go away. It's a matter of you become more, more, um, fully confident of a God who can deal those fears so you, you don't have to be bound by those fears any longer. But another thing you're going to expect is difficulties. When you look at this story of Peter, he gets out of the boat. He's moving really along well, and then he starts to do what? He looks at the waves and the winds, and in looking at the waves and the winds, what it is is like, I'm doing this, I can't believe I'm doing this. And he starts to fall, and he feels, and he hears, and, and he senses, and he calls out to God, I need you, Jesus, I need you. And Jesus immediately lifts him up and puts him back in the water because his faith in all of this no matter what the difficulty, no matter what the obstacle you face, um, as you put your eyes on that, you will begin to sink down. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you won't. And, 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 and there's one last thing that we just talked about briefly, and that's that you can expect to fail. I mean, faith is not, faith is like, like walking like a child. You will stumble. I came to this church and we said, hey, look, we have a potential for providing a home for the homeless in this blue house and it's going to cost $400,000. We are not in a position budget-wise to do this, but we believe God is calling us to ask. And so we asked and people responded and you go, wow, you really discerned God's will. Now we're in a point where about $120,000 down in our budget, at least last that I saw from um, income to expenses. And, and we believe God called us to an aggressive budget. Will we fail? Will we, did, did we discern God's voice? I don't think that's it. I think God's calling us to this vision. I think he's calling us to do it. I believe he's going to provide, but maybe the timing is different than ours. I, I don't know. But failure is a part of it, folks. And you have to ask, did Peter fail? When you think about it, did Peter fail? What about Einstein? I mean, Edison. As you know, that's they said, you know, how many, you, you've had so many unsuccessful attempts. And he said, I've, I have not failed 10,000 times. I've successfully found 10,000 ways that it will not work. <laughs> he didn't fail. Jonas Salk, after 200 unsuccessful attempts, creates the polio vaccine. Did he fail? I could read you the list of Lincoln's failures. Didn't even get into law school. Twice in a business failed, ended up spending 17 years paying that business back the debt of that. Failed some seven times to get office. Was Lincoln a failure? Failing is a part of the faith walk. Failure is always an opportunity, as John had mentioned, to grow. God uses those. Peter put himself in a position to fail, but he also put himself in a position to grow. What about you? What holds you back? What's your boat? And the last thing I want to share, and I'm going to ask the team to come up, and that is water walking will always bring a greater connection to God. As you look at this story, um, think about it. Peter's connection to Jesus was probably a whole lot different after he had walked on the water, came back in the boat, and got in the boat. I think he had a connection to Jesus that none of the other 11 experienced. I think, you know, when you think about it, 
One guy got out of the boat and 11 others didn't. Peter shared a moment. I believe he shared a connection. And I think he had a trust in Jesus that others didn't have. But here's what happened as a result of his faith. 11 other guys were impacted and they all fell on their knees before God and worshiped Jesus. You are hearing this message that was recorded in God's word because Peter got out of a boat and walked. I just want you to think as they they play this song. If God, through his Holy Spirit, has been calling you not to some risky kind of impulse desire, but to obedience, you will have a deeper connection with God. You will impact people around you. And you will, you won't even see this now, but you will leave ripples of impact for generations to come. Every yes puts you in a deeper connection with God and builds the muscle of faith. And every no just makes your heart a little harder, a little less yielding, and a little less open the next time Jesus calls. I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm just going to say, Jesus, I want to walk on water with you. Whatever that might look like in my life, I want to exercise faith. Not just in you, but the faith that you displayed Father, I pray that we would want to walk on water with you as well. Whatever that looks like as a church, whatever it looks like individually, God, move in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name.